Seasons change, but sometimes it's now, but not yet. Next on Principles and Policies. Hello, I'm Chuck Michaelis. I'm the chairman of the Institute for Principled Policy. And uh, it is our show for uh, uh, Saturday, April 8th. 2023. As you can hear, uh, my usual broadcast partner, Barry Sheets, is not here today. Um, there's a reason for that. Uh, Barry and I sat down to record a show. Uh, I'm, I'm recording this on April 7th, a Friday. Barry and I sat down to record a show yesterday, April 6th, um, 2023. And honestly, um, he couldn't, he didn't have the strength to do the job. Um, uh, what does that mean? Well, again, as, as we talked about, sometimes the seasons change. And sometimes you can't tell. Um, sometimes uh, the seasons come early. Sometimes winter comes early. Sometimes spring comes early. Uh, other times it comes late. Uh winter and spring and sometimes the uh, um, the seasons kind of just blend in together and eventually one day uh, for instance from winter to spring it gets warmer and warmer and warmer and warmer and all of a sudden you've got 10 10 days two weeks of 65 70 degree weather in a row well this year it's been kind of strange uh we had a we had kind of a mild winter after a really uh kind of an ugly start in december if you'll recall we were below zero here um i still remember uh, i'm in the middle of a construction project and we actually have the plumbing turned on but we didn't have any heat in the area where there was construction i actually had to camp out in my uh, room with the construction stuff in you know and back in our our uh, I'm building an apartment on the back of my pole barn that was originally supposed to be for my mother who passed away a couple almost two years ago about about uh, 17 months ago um, so obviously we didn't get that room finished but uh, since we were already committed there's nothing else for me to do but finish it so what am I talking about with all this, the season changes uh, right now, but not yet? Um, well, the seasons are changing around here, uh, both weather-wise and the season of our, uh, the existence of the principle of the Institute for Principled Policy, which, uh, um, and the uh, job of the uh, Institute for Principled Policy, which is not going to change. Um, that's one of the things that's going to be perpetual um, is the, as long as it exists, the Institute for Principled Policy. Um, but what's happening is, is that unfortunately, Barry, uh, as we've explained on here before, Barry Sheets has uh, stage four metastatic uh, renal cancer that has gone into his bones and it's gone into his hip specifically and into his spine. Well, as you can imagine, that's that's not a great situation. Well, this week, uh, Barry called me and he said, well, I'm officially, actually yesterday when we sat down to record, he said, he, he goes, well, I am officially in hospice care. Well, all, all virtually, if, if you don't know what hospice care is, I don't know where you've been, what cave you're living in. Uh, all of us have... Uh, 
have someone, a loved one, a relative, a friend who has uh, gone into hospice care. Now, what's up with Barry? Barry has, uh, is, uh, the tumor in his spine is growing kind of rapidly and he is losing the feeling in his legs and feet. Um, he is currently just simply not able to stand on his own. And, uh, so they brought in hospice to, uh, to help his wife, Ellen, uh, move him around and, and deal with him and, uh, uh, getting him from here to there and another place. So I, we, Barry and I don't know if he's ever going to be back on the air with us again. Uh, this may be. Uh, this may be the last show that we did, which was last week where he sounded great, by the way, he sounded very good. He sounded strong. Um, and, uh, that, that, uh, show, uh, may be his swan song. We don't know for sure. Uh, and if it is, well then, um, Godspeed to him. I'm praying it's not the case. We're praying for a miracle for Barry. And I, I've seen uh, other people come out of much worse shape. I've been around alternative medicine my entire life. Uh, as many of you know, uh, uh, when you listen to the show, um, there are advertisements that run around it. And uh, one of them is for my company, Rain Rock Nutritionals. Um, and I am supplying Barry with some things having to do with uh, inf inflammation and uh, pain uh helping reduce pain and inflammation and those kinds of things. Um, and it does seem to be helping him and I, I'm, I'm blowing my own horn over that, but you'll notice that I haven't, uh, I haven't cured him, uh, which I couldn't do anyway. I'm not a trained physician. I'm a biochemist. Um, but in, in any case, uh, uh, Barry is, his condition is deteriorating. We don't know how much longer he has, honestly, uh, to live. They, he, they were, he was given a three-month prognosis uh, over a month ago, I think. So that, that's not a good sign. So, ladies and gentlemen, I would ask that you join me in prayer uh, for Barry. Uh, we pray for his wife and his children, his three children, uh, I think two of whom are adult at this point uh they they still continue to live at home they're running businesses out of the house barry is a uh, firm believer in uh um every, all these kids were basically required to start their own businesses once they reach reach a certain age and they are doing just that um uh, one of his sons is a uh, computer uh, gaming consultant and also a he does web work because he's done web work for me um and uh, he's very good at it. He's very, very good, very fast. He's kind of busy, and it's sometimes it's hard to like a lot of computer consultants. He's he's very busy and hard to get hold of. Uh, and his other son, I believe, is a uh, a reseller, and by that I mean he maintains uh, resale websites, and he combs the countryside looking for for things. And uh, Barry was also very good at this, by the way. Uh, I have a radio sitting here that I need to rebuild. I, many of you don't know, I, I sort of rebuild old radios from the uh, 30s and 40s. Um, uh, I am especially enamored of uh, shortwave 
radios, old communications receivers, and that kind of. I, I have a whole collection of uh, different uh, receivers from different companies, but I also have some uh, big console radios. I love console radios, uh, but Barry found me a Zenith. Uh, a Zenith uh, from 1937, and he said uh, he calls me up one day and he says uh, he was in an antique store. Uh, they want to get rid of this radio, and it's twenty five dollars. And he tells me what it is, and I said, "Oh yes, if you don't buy me that, I'm not your friend anymore." Um, I was kidding, of course. So he brings me this beautiful radio. Does it need work? Yes, it's 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 uh, almost ninety years old. It's eighty some years old. So yeah, it needs work. Uh, but it's worth it. Now, Barry could find things like that. We used to go uh, bookstoring together. We, we'd go around trying to find uh, good used books. Um, Barry and I uh, had places picked out in different places where we'd been to conferences and things. Like, for instance, uh, Barry and I used to go to St. Louis a lot. Uh, every January, we'd go out for the Education Policy Conference. Um it was important to me because at the time I was running Camp American, and uh, we we were part of the uh, you know we were hooked up with the homeschool movement, and um, we were uh, very interested in getting to know people and networking with people um, on uh, Christian children's education, and uh, um, that that was an important thing for us. Uh, th they weren't just about the education policy conference, but they were uh, uh, very concerned, and I think still are, about what's going on in American education regarding um, the the things that are being taught to kids. You know, a lot of parents are sitting around um, wondering why they raise their kids as Christians. Sometimes they homeschool. Sometimes they send them to a Christian school. And they send them off to college and they come back uh, dedicated socialists and atheistic, either agnostic or atheistic. And I, Barry and I are not, neither one of us are surprised by that kind of thing. Uh, seeing, um, you know, I graduated from college late. I was 30, uh, gosh, 32 when I graduated from college. Um, and I was a little bit more immune to the propaganda. Uh, why? Well, I was 32. I mean, I had been through the wars. I had seen life from uh, a lot of angles that uh, kids that are 17, 18, 19 uh, can't see it from. And uh, a lot of people are um, gullible when it comes to, you know, we. we Christian parents teach their kids to uh, obey authority and uh, to respect authority. And uh, sadly, I'm a little bit of a rebel, and I, I'm always a skeptic. And uh, so when when it came to my education, I was very skeptical. You know, I, I was basically the guy who was the, the, the guy in the back of the class saying, okay, you've made an assertion, now prove it, especially in the, in the social science classes and that kind of thing. And a lot of times the, uh, the professors were, uh, a little hard put and other ones were very upfront. One, one guy, I still remember a class I took was a sort of a sociology and economics class mixed. 
and that fellow uh, had taught in inner city Chicago, so he was uh, he was very bought into the idea that uh, uh, I just really didn't understand the socioeconomic uh, uh, plight of the inner city. And I said, I understand it completely. It has to do with that they've adopted a, a different mentality than than suburban uh, the suburban uh, dwellers have done. And it's detrimental to their development. Uh, I think they would do well to if we were teaching them entrepreneurship, how to build a small business inside their communities, and not sit around and wait for a handout. Well, that being said, let's go back to where we were. But yes, Barry Sheets and I used to go to the Education Policy Conference. So he knew how to really, really, really smell out uh, some of these books. He. Oh, yeah, he could really pick out the uh, the rare stuff, the out of print stuff, the stuff from obscure publishers that he we would both be interested in reading. So he he's real good at that. He still is good at that when we can get him in a bookstore, which obviously we can't do right now. Um, but in any case, um, the um Barry's just the kind of person who uh would dig these books out and he would come up to me and he would say when we were in these books or do you have a copy of this no I don't so he'd hand it to me or sometimes he'd be out at a bookstore and he'd say do you have a copy of and he'd name the book and I'd say no I've been looking for that and he goes well I have three or four copies you can have this one um, Barry was a good guy for, is, pardon me, is a good guy for, uh, buying multiple copies of books that he thinks, he thinks will be influ influential and handing them out. Um, in fact, um, I was just thinking about, um, what's going on and, and going back over things. And uh, I've actually had someone approach me about writing something up about this, and I will do that eventually um, to be published uh, in a in a uh, uh, a magazine for an organization. And I'll let you know all about that because I'll be having some more guests on here. If Barry truly is uh, um, not able to return to the show, I will uh, be having a few more guests on. Um, because as I've mentioned before, when he's not here, I miss the banter. I miss the back and forth. So to get the back and forth, I have a, uh, I have a, uh, a sort of a stable of friends that I will be cons consulting with. But in any case, go back to the, the book thing. Uh, Barry has been instrumental in helping me build a huge percentage of my library. Um, and um, if it wasn't for him, there were authors I'd never be, um, I would never ever be introduced to. And so I'm deeply grateful to him because he has helped influence my, uh, my worldview. Um, and we've talked in here a lot about worldview. And in fact, um, one of the things that Barry and I did together, we were in, both involved in uh, uh, Camp American used to meet up in uh, um, Indiana, north uh, north uh, east Indiana, um, at a at a group camp at Pokagon State Park. 
um, in uh, Angola, Indiana. And uh, we met there for a week, and we had uh, kids who wanted to come in and, and learn about the intersection between faith and government. Um, didn't start out necessarily that way, but Barry and I steered it that way. Uh, it started out with a little more, I would say, a slightly more nebulous viewpoint. But how how did, you know, where did I meet Barry? Did we go to high school together, that kind of thing? No, Barry's about 11 years younger than me. I'm uh, I'm 66, Barry's 55. Um, and um, um, that being said, uh, I would look to him as my, uh, one of my spiritual and, uh, um, a worldview mentors uh, because uh, Barry and I met oh my gosh over 20 years ago um, we were in uh, we met at a meeting of Dave Dobbin Myers many of you know that name the uh, we met at Dave Dobbin Myers Minutemen United uh, we met with uh, other uh, other patriots uh, in various degrees of, uh, you know, various uh, sort of uh, phases of their faith, uh, various phases of their worldview development, various phases of, uh, of just life in general. Uh, older men, younger men, men who were looking to get married, men who were married and had little kids. Uh, that was me. I had, uh, I had small children, um, very small children. And we used to meet on Saturdays and, and discuss things, and uh, um, we we even got involved in some some activism activities. But B Barry and I found ourselves uh, with very like mindset, and uh, um, again, he he provided me with a lot of information, and he helped me um, sort of come out of um, uh, one phase of my. Um, development of my theology into another phase. In fact, I, I was uh, sort of a, uh, I was a Slumgullion mix of a, of a number of things. I had some, uh, um, some bad ideas about theology and, and uh, um, some good ideas about theology. And uh, Barry helped me get that all sort of sorted out and categorized and, and straightened out. Something that uh, my wife is sitting here listening to me record. My wife knows that uh, getting me to sort things out, categorize, and, uh, and uh, keep them in a, in a ordered fashion is not an easy thing to do. But, uh, yeah, when, when I first started, I was not a uh, reformed thinker. I was uh, sort of a, a mixed thinker, if you will. Uh, I had been raised in a number of uh, 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 religious traditions. Um, you know, I, I've, uh, I've been every kind of Protestant uh, there. It's capable, it's possible to be pretty much not, not exactly, but um, I've never been a charismatic. I've never been a uh, um, uh, Pentecostal, but I have been a Lutheran, Episcopalian, uh, I've been a Baptist, I've been a Nazarene, um, and now I'm a Presbyterian. This is uh, my permanent spot. This is where I will be staying. I'm, I'm focused enough on that. But Barry Sheets was instrumental in getting me to that spot. Um, it, 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 he really was, a, was and is a spiritual mentor of mine. Barry and I still can't go very long without speaking to each other 
about the religious implications of what's going on in the news. We uh, talk about the uh, uh, implications of what's going on inside the church. And when I say the church, I mean the Church of Jesus Christ, the uh, the visible and the invisible church, as uh, as it's known. And uh, we we just can't go very long without that. Well, it looks very unfortunately like I may have to learn to uh, not speak with him about that uh, because he won't be available to speak. He, he will be enjoying um, his uh, his reward, which will be great. He'll be one of the people that has many crowns to cast before the, the feet of the Lord. Um, and uh, um, I, I know that uh, if we don't get a miracle, I will miss him terribly. Um, uh, very, very terribly. Uh, but I will, we, uh, I will use his memory and the things that he taught me and, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, just the opportunities he gave me, uh, you know, I'm chairman of, of the Institute for Principal Policy, but Barry was the director. Well, what does that mean? That means he founded it. He started the Institute for Principal Policy as a think tank. And early on when uh, we, we had a full um, board, uh, we would often put out uh, policy papers. If you go way back on, on the website, principledpolicy.com, you can find things. We, we, we did white papers on gambling. We did uh, positions on on the uh, uh, marriage amendment that Ohio has. And, and Barry and I were were deeply involved. Barry was instrumental. I was a, in support uh, of that effort. Uh, we worked with CCV, Citizens, Citizens for Community Values at the time, and now it's called uh, Center for Christian Virtue. So the, the initials didn't change, but the, uh, uh, the name of the organization changed, and, and some of the focus has changed. Uh, we won't go into that, but um, CCV um, was instrumental in raising the money and getting people out and getting pet petitions signed to get that thing on the ballot, and it, and it passed overwhelmingly, uh, meaning that Ohioans wanted to protect the institution of marriage from uh, uh, the onslaught, if you will, of uh, those who would attack it and those who would undermine it by making it something that it was not. Uh, we continue to say, even even in spite of Obergefell and some of those decisions that the Supreme Court has made, and by the way, they made a doozy today, and if I get a chance, I'll, I'll uh, yesterday, I think. Um, but that being said, uh, we defined it so you couldn't have homosexual marriage, which is an oxymoron, that you can't have a homosexual marriage. Marriage is one man and one woman in the eyes of God um, for life. Um, you know, we acknowledge the possibility of divorce. We do not acknowledge uh, or um, dissolution. Uh, we abhor it, but we recognize it and that it is sometimes uh, a necessity. And we also uh, uh, would eschew the idea that the, there is any kind of idea that uh, men and men or men and women or three-party marriage or anything like that. 
uh, domestic partnerships. That's another story. We would probably be in opposition to that too. Um, we, uh, we didn't. We haven't really even thought about that particular thing. But Barry and I uh, were uh, part of the, uh, especially the Institute for Principal Policy, was a big part of the of the thought process that went behind that marriage amendment. And there were parts of it where uh, Barry, who was is an astute, an absolutely sharp as attack political thinker. He has the ability to see in the language where the problems are of any legislation or proposed amendment and uh, uh, tweak that language. And he has taught me how to do some of that as well. Uh, he and I can look at a piece of legislation and see where the holes are. Uh, and Barry has spent a whole bunch of his career as a political consultant. Uh, and again, you've heard those ads on WLRY. Um, before and after our show and maybe during the week when you're listening to the station for uh, his company principled uh, policy consulting um, and uh, he he did some brilliant work uh, Barry is a lobbyist who's uh, he's still working uh, believe it or not from his hospital bed in his house he's working on budgetary issues for Ohio he's working on legislation issues for Ohio um, he, uh, he and I were talking about some budget stuff he was working on, uh, this last week and some legislation he was working on this last week. Um, he is, if he goes, he will be very sorely missed by a number of, uh, uh, consulting groups, groups who are trying to get legislation through. He, he is an asset that simply, uh, we will not see again in our lifetime. Um, and uh, it, it, it's very difficult to sit here and say, well, uh, what, you know, we'll have, life will just have to go on without him. It'll, again, it will be very difficult. There isn't anybody in the wings to take his job, and that includes me. Um, and I'd say Barry and I are best friends. Um, I don't have the kind of personality that puts me out front. I, I, uh, I'm... I am confrontive like he is, and I'll say Barry uh, used to, has explained on this program a number of times and continues to explain there are two kinds of lobbyists. There are influence lobbyists, and those are the guys who, who have tons and tons and tons of money. Uh, they have, um, they have, they go around to politicians and say, uh, we'd like you to support this legislation, and in order to see if we can secure your loyalty on this, here's some money for your reelection fund. Um, we'll put money in your coffers. No problem. Barry couldn't do that. How Barry survived on the money that he brought into his consulting firm, I don't know. Now, at one time, he was an employee of uh, the state legislature. And I can tell you that uh, uh, aides in the state legislature don't make any money. It's laughable the amount of money uh, that they make. A lot of the guys do it because they're learning. Uh, guys and men and women, um, are they're learning the process. They're learning the people in the legislature. They know who the consultants are. They know who the 
the lobbyists are. They know who the politicians are. They know who they need to fear and who they uh, don't have to fear. What are what, What's the reason for some of them doing this? Not all of them. Why do some of them do this? They do it so that they can they can maybe someday themselves run for the legislature. It's not the first. I, I'm someone I know who was a legislative aide, and I I met her. We used to to have a meeting once a month with uh, citizens for community values. had had a meeting, and it was a sort of a steering committee for things uh, that we were uh, all our groups. Uh, I represented Camp American. Barry uh, represented the Institute for Principal Policy, the Christian Coalition. All these groups would get together and talk about how we were going to approach specific legislation. Some of it taxation, some of it um, abortion related, some of it marriage related, some of it, uh, all kinds of different religious freedom uh, things. We'd all get together and we knew who the uh, aides we could trust were and the aides we couldn't trust were. And we knew that uh, we would, if some of the legislators who, who would show up to the meetings uh, would come in, we knew we couldn't trust them. Uh, we knew they were coming in. We knew there were people uh, that were coming in to troll. They would come in and find out what our strategy was and go run immediately to our enemies in the legislature and tell them what we were going to do. So we learned not to do that. Barry was a big part of that. Um, but um, So Barry worked for these guys. I don't think Barry had any any particular ambition for running for office. But a lot of these guys who do work in the legislature do that. So what else did Barry do? Well, he worked for uh, CCV, uh, Citizens for Community Values, for a time. He Again, I, I pointed out he was a state legislative aide. Um, he, uh, um, he then opened his own consulting firm, and he ran political campaigns, some of them successful and some of them not. But all of them who that drove the questions, um, he, he didn't necessarily unseat some of the bad players, but he made them sweat, which he liked to do. Barry Sheets uh, was not an influence lobbyist. Barry Sheets is a confrontation lobbyist. Now, what do I mean by a confrontation lobbyist? Barry will go in at the behest of his clients and say, okay, I need you to explain why you're not on this side of the issue and you're on the issue that the side of the issue that you're on, which we consider to be incorrect. Could you please explain that? And uh, very often the people understood that the influence that Barry wielded, and I literally saw a couple of these guys uh, stumble over words, some of these guys who appear ultra-confident when you see them out and about, they appear very, very uh, confident. And when Barry would confront them, they turned into stumbling wrecks. Why? Because they knew they had no decent explanation and that Barry could then use that if someone wanted to give them a primary challenge, which we, uh, which he helped mount more than once as a political consultant. That issue could be used against them and he did that very often. But he also helped people who did have the right ideas. Is there such thing as a perfect legislator? 
or a perfect governor or a perfect bureaucrat? No. When by perfect, I mean someone who agrees 100% with all of our agenda, all of our all of our political ideas, everything like that. In fact, I, I the closest thing we get is usually someone who um, the party hates. And by the party, you, generally the Republican Party, uh, the party hates them. That's why you hear Barry and I both disparaging the, the Republican Party a mainstream apparatus, the the central committees and such. Do we disparage them? Yes, we do. And the reason we do is because they're bad players. Um, they uh, they badmouth the Democrats and then and then adopt different forms of the same Democratic policies, um, and implement them different. We'll do it differently. No, you won't, because all you're doing is increasing the size, cost, and control of the government and that's what the Repu- republicans essentially say me too except slower uh that's why you often hear us say the democrats want to drive over the cliff at 120 miles an hour and the and the republicans want to drive off the cliff at 60 miles an hour well that's not unique to us i've heard gary demar say that from american vision i've heard other uh religious political thinkers say the same thing uh this is not about party uh the only reason i'm hooked up at all with the republican party is because i'd rather go over the cliff at 60 than 120 um and personally i i would what i would like to be able to do is kick the guy who's at, uh, in the driver's seat who wants to drive over the cliff at all out of the job and replace him with someone who really doesn't want to go over the cliff and those are the guys that have a lot of trouble. And Barry knew that. He knows it to this day. He knows who the guys are who who would uh, take the driver's seat and not want to drive over the cliff. Uh, he also knows there are people who are willing to uh, compromise, um, who are willing to go along to get along, Um Barry and I uh, talked to uh, leadership in some of these groups when they decided to come out and endorse terrible candidates for like governor and senator and that kind of thing. Well, it's the only choice we have. That's who's going to get it, and that's the only choice we have. And I said, no, that's not the only choice you have. Barry would, Barry and I would discuss this, and we'd confront and say, no, this isn't the only the only, the that looks to me like the choice you have is not to endorse and announce that you're not endorsing because, and give the reasons. Uh, that is a confrontation lobbyist. I am not claiming that I can do it anywhere near the same scale that he can. But I'm also, he, he, he and I love each other because we can look at each other and say, oh, we're not going for that, and here's why. And we would double team people um, in, in these kind of meetings and that kind of thing. Um there are still people out there who uh, we worked with on a number of things, who were right on a number of things, but who are way, way, way too conciliatory to uh, um, to people who, are, who well, we got to go along to get along. And what happens in that case? Well, you end up with a Mike DeWine, who uh, Barry and I uh, were adamant about Christian groups not endorsing him uh 
And he got a lot of endorsements because he was supposedly pro-life. And his one of his first acts was he appointed a pro-abortion specialist, a woman who uh, was active in reopening clinics that many of us had worked to, to get closed, abortion clinics that many of us had worked to get closed. She was instrumental in getting them reopened. Uh, Amy Acton, who was the state health director. Why was this woman the state health director? She was the state health director because... Mike DeWine appointed her, and Barry and I were both like, okay, we warned you of this. We warned you that this would happen, because Mike DeWine is a progressive. He's not a conservative. People thought because he was pro-life, he was conservative. Well, not only did he not prove to, he, did he prove to not be conservative, he also proved himself to be not really pro-life. Um, he, he's pro-life under certain circumstances in the rest of the circumstances. He's not, um, he's willing to, his pro-life credentials are not so strong that he's not willing to compromise on those. And again, Barry and I worked really hard to warn people that this was going to be the case. And, uh, we also, uh, um, the same kind of thing went on with John Kasich. Uh, we warned people. Uh, that John Kasich was not a conservative. This uh, this is how far back uh, our efforts went. John Kasich was not a conservative. He isn't a conservative. He never was, uh, except way early in his congressional career, like way in the early 80s, he was. Uh, I knew Tom DeWeese of the American Policy Center and John Kasich were great friends. And uh, Tom DeWeese... I can remember having long conversations about John Kasich and he goes, let me tell you something. When Kasich started, he and I worked together. Uh, Tom DeWeese had been doing some consulting for the Republican party. He says, he and I worked together to get him elected to Congress. And he says his first two terms, he was the real deal. He was truly conservative. He was anti-tax. He was pro uh, second amendment, blah, 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 you know, the whole, the whole agenda. And he says, all of a sudden, in his third term, he drank from the Potomac. And if you don't know what that means, it means he got to Washington and he became a career politician. He took, he took some of the money. He took the, the influence lobbyist money. And all of a sudden, he evolved into the John Kasich that we see today, the never Trump, um, I hate, uh, uh, I hate conservatism. Uh, he doesn't say that. Uh, what he says, we want common sense conservatives. When, when he ran for president in, in uh, 16, we, used to, we were joking about this. Uh, John Kasich is the kind of guy, if you'll recall, that uh, comes in, makes ridiculous claims, tries to steer the, uh, uh, the debate to the center, um, he wanted everybody to come to the center, meaning, you know, uh, this is where we're, we're going to reach across the aisle and work with these guys across the aisle and do the, to reach across the aisle and, and to work with the Democrats means you basically acquiesce to their, to their, because they don't come across the aisle to work with conservatives. No, they wait for, for rhinos, Republicans in name only to come across the aisle and shake hands. This is John Kasich, uh, John Kasich beating his breast w uh, during the, uh, um, during the primary season in 2016, in which he was pulling about 2% of the vote, 
uh, everywhere but Ohio. And in Ohio, he did not win. <laughs> he won a plurality of the vote. He did not win the majority in Ohio uh, in the 2016 primary, which goes to tell you something. Um, but uh, he, he would beat his breast and say, I'm the adult in the room. Well, if you're the adult in the room, uh, there's something wrong. If you think you're the only the adult in the room, there's something wrong. Um, uh, the the uh, the supposed children in the room seem to have better ideas than you do. And uh, um, John Kasich, uh, we warned people about there at the time he took office. There was a I think a seven billion dollar deficit in the Ohio uh, in the Ohio uh, budget, and uh, they set about to quote unquote fix the uh, fix the hole in the budget and Barry and I again warned about this uh, uh, Barry in the lead because he had he has the uh, the uh, the ears of people who are listening to him and we said okay here's what John Kasich's going to do he's going to take that seven billion dollar budget sell a bunch of bonds sell us down the river for uh, into the future and uh, plug holes and do accounting tricks to make it look like the $7 billion deficit went away. And that's exactly what he did. Uh, uh, guys like John Kasich will pound the table and tell you they balanced the budget in 1994, and the budget was never balanced in 1994 or any time since, oh my gosh, the 1920s maybe? Um, maybe further back than that. My, I'm a little rusty on... When the last time the United States had a had a balanced budget, uh, it looks balanced, but it's not because everybody takes out Social Security and and Medicare uh, costs, uh, which you can't, you can't do. Those are obligations, um, and uh, uh, the way they're handling it now. My wife and I just went on Medicare, and. Uh, the way they do it now, if, if you recall, when we were younger, when we were just starting to work in our teens and twenties, oh, everything's going to be everything's going to be paid for. This is going in a trust fund. It's in a lockbox. Don't worry about it. The money will be there. Now, well, my my wife and I have to pay a thousand dollars every three months for our Medicare coverage. Okay, well, so lies. Lies, lies, and more lies. This is how politicians work, and Barry is very good at pointing out where they're lying and when they're lying. The problem is that that kind of an attitude uh, get, makes you enemies in um, the media, in the legislature, in the consulting. The influence uh, consultants hate uh, confrontation lobbyists like Barry Sheets. And in fact, uh, we talked about last week uh, a, a guy who uh, was against us, supposedly was a Republican, uh, stood four square against us in the in the marriage amendment fight, has stood four square against us in fights having to do with strip club regulation and, and all kinds of things that are conservative issues. Right, and even Democrats were down with with some of that. Uh, the guy named Neil Clark, uh, and uh, he was part of the group that uh, first energy, the first energy scandal. Larry's householder, the Speaker of the House, uh, and a number of legislators and a number of uh, 
politicians and lobbyists and the uh, uh, essentially the corruption of taking money to to vote for a, a really uh suspect energy bill uh energy policy bill and neil clark uh being the kind of man that he is uh put on a mike dewine for governor t-shirt and shot himself uh, when it became clear that he was uh, not going to uh, wriggle out of the indictment uh, that uh, um, now what was he saying with the Mike DeWine for governor t-shirt well when he did this job uh, you can make any kind of guesses Barry has been very open about it he believes that he was pointing a finger at Mike DeWine but this is the kind of corruption that Barry Sheets has been involved in fighting for his entire life. Yeah, no, I, when he first got out of college, he, he managed a Bob Evans restaurant. So, you know, but he got into the, a very early in his career, he got into being this legislative assistant. Why? So he could have influence. And Chris, a lot of Christians don't understand that we are supposed to have influence. We don't necessarily have power, but we have influence. Now, is it a bad thing if a good Christian uh, comes to power? No, we know people who are good Christians who have come to power. What happens to them? The party undermines them. The Republican Party undermines them at every step. Why? Because politics is corrupt. Barry understands that politics is corrupt. What does he say about that? He he looks at it, people look at it and say, oh, it's a permanent condition. Barry says, nope, it's not a permanent condition. We need to work incrementally, day by day, hour by hour, year by year, month by month, to bring light into the darkness that is what Barry Sheets does he brings light to the darkness look we, we, Barry and I understand that this is a slow process we've been doing a radio show here at WLRY for near as I can tell uh, I think since 2013 so about 10 years, nine or 10 years we've been doing this show. We somehow I can look it up because I have every single show we've done in an archive. Um, every single one. And uh, one of these days we might help as a fund when WLRY does a fundraiser. Um, you, you, we, we'll put those together and make those available for a donation to the radio station. Um, I'll have to get to work on that. But uh, Barry and I have been involved in a, in a number of peripheral groups. For instance, I'm in Relationships Under Construction. I'm the chairman of the board of Relationships Under Construction. That never would have happened without Barry Sheets. He had Catherine Wood bring me onto the board. He was a member of the board. Now he's a member of the, uh, he's on the consulting board. What does that mean? He's involved in stuff that, that I'm I'm involved in the day-to-day -day operation or you know the every month we have a meeting we discuss the budget we discuss uh you know what's happening with the program and we act as guidance for Catherine in uh how to continue on what she's doing how to make it work 
um, that kind of thing. But the consulting board is actually involved in the in the philosophical uh, input into Catherine's programs, and that's what Barry was doing. He's he was really working in the the inner workings of the uh, of the organization. Okay, why would we be involved in that? We were involved in the Minutemen United. Why were Barry and I involved in that? Uh, we had disagreements with a number of things that were that were going on, but we continued to remain in there so we could have influence. Uh, we've been hooked up with people uh, in, in uh, um, anti-abortion groups. You know, not uh, uh, what were we? Partly, what were we fighting? We were we were actually going head to head with people who were ultra radical on this that we're talking about uh, doing vandalism and that kind of thing. And we would, Barry and I would spend time talking them out of it. Don't do that. Do you not understand that you will harm the movement far more? Oh yes, but some babies will be saved temporarily. I we tell them right up front temporarily. But what you're doing is you're creating a propaganda, uh, uh, cornucopia of of uh, propaganda um, resources for the left to use to expand abortion because they're telling everyone everybody that'll listen that we're all these radicals we're all these horrible people who are uh, gun-toting and are willing to shoot abortion doctors and willing to, to shoot the, the escorts and no, we're not. Uh, the vast majority of us are simply people who want to save babies. Um, and Barry, again, was right up front. He wasn't afraid to go into uh, television programs and radio shows that where the hosts were openly hostile to him. He's not afraid of that in the slightest. He didn't get nervous. I, I was with Barry... Uh, uh, when we were working on the, uh, uh, I accompanied him to a speech he gave at Ohio State University in one of the big dorms there along Lane Avenue in the common room. And it was, the place was jam-packed, and we were talking about essentially homosexual marriage. And Barry did a debate in which the guy he was debating, I, it's been too long now, somewhere I've got it all in notes, the, the fellow he was debating uh, simply fell apart. Uh, people in the room who w came in with deep hatred in their heart for our position and for Barry Sheets walked out and said, you know, he really made more sense <laughs> than the guy on our side. I, I can hear the comments because I just sat in the audience and listened. And I can hear the comments and I can see the countenance of people changing. Why? Because Barry is a great explainer he's a great influencer and this is the kind of people that we need in this movement he is exactly the person god appointed him for that time and the fact is that uh god may very well be taking him away at this point um we don't know uh, we hope not. 
But there were other. I I, I went to a uh, a debate that he did at Bowling Green State University in this very similar situation. Um, and the other side did not acquit themselves well, but people in the audience came in hostile again because why? It's college students. What are they hearing? They're hearing a, they're hearing one side of the story. And because they're hearing one side of the story, uh, when the other side comes out, if it comes out in a kind of a strident and radical way, their minds aren't changed. But when it comes out in a uh, a reasoned, uh, responsive answer, it does change minds. It changes minds and hearts. And Barry is uniquely equipped to do that again ladies and gentlemen this is why you need to be in in um prayer for barry to receive a miracle um because uh well you know god knows whether we need him here or not and god knows the the things that will well that will happen after he is gone and who he will raise up no man is uh, it, it uh, no man is indispensable in the sense that uh, God knows when when they need to come and go. Um, and uh, I'm not sure why God is taking Barry and not me, uh, being nowhere near as, as useful as he is. But he is. He appears to be. So that being said, again, be in prayer for his family and for Barry. You know, one of the things the Institute for Principal Policy stands for and we always have since our director founded it and honestly filled the board with people who were really outstanding in their fields. One of the people that we really, I miss a lot still, a good friend and a, a, a great teacher is Dr. Mark Hamilton, who was up at Ashland University. And Mark was a professor of philosophy and uh, he was uh, the chairman at one point of the philosophy department at Ashland while he was serving as chairman of the Institute for Principled Policy. And we say, well, you're the chairman of the Institute for Principled Policy. And I said, yeah, I am now. Dr. Hamilton passed away during the COVID epidemic. Dr. Hamilton was a uh, almost died, oh gosh, several years ago because his doctors could not figure out what was wrong with him. He had a disease called hemochromatosis. And what, what is hemochromatosis? Well, he tended to, uh, he, he had a tendency to uh, build up iron in his system, and he didn't know this. And so he um, suddenly comes down with symptoms that nobody can explain. It was causing liver failure. It was causing uh, problems with his eyes was causing all kinds of problems and he got to the point where he was short of death very quickly and God intervened and uh, they found out he had hemochromatosis and so he I think he had to have a liver transplant because his liver was destroyed by by these iron deposits that were everywhere and he lost sight in one eye he did lose sight in one eye uh, so he would he couldn't be the uh, uh, he could no longer be the chairman of the uh, philosophy department, but by golly, he could still be the chairman of the Institute for Principal Policy and wield his considerable influence. We had uh, uh, members of the board. He he was good friends with a guy named uh, Ian Hamilton from Australia who was here for a time. Or not Ian Hamilton, Ian 
Ian Hodge. He was a, a musical thinker, but he was also a philosopher, which fit down right down Mark's alley. And uh, we had other great people that Barry brought on to the board. Our board was as strong as any board could possibly be, honestly. Barry was a very good judge of character. He was a very good judge of people's spiritual condition. I, I keep saying was. He, he still is. And I'm speaking in the past tense because he can't get out of his bed now. At least currently, and again, uh, we're praying for a miracle so that he will be able to get out of his bed and uh, come be amongst us again. But if he's not, we will have to carry on. Some of you, you know, Barry and I used to laugh a lot on this program. Uh, we, we found things humorous in the news and ironic. And Barry and I both had to have a very strong sense of irony. And what that means is that people who have a strong sense of irony get a laugh out of things that normally most people wouldn't laugh about. And so we'd call each other and... And we'd look at a headline and we'd start to read it and read the interviews from the the people involved. And we would just laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. And it's like, Barry, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, but people are buying it. And that's kind of what we view our job to do is to wake you up sometimes not all of you. Uh, um, I don't want to be insulting. A lot of you have the strange sense of irony, the same sense of that something's wrong. You're not sh exactly sure what it is. That's what Barry and I have been trying to do with this radio show for years is show you how to figure out what's wrong and why it's not working and what the mechanical issues are. You know, I still have to call Barry every once in a while, and I said, you know, I see all the pieces. I see all the pieces of the puzzle on this particular uh, thing going on in the news or in government or whatever, but I can't, I can't put them together. And he will say one thing, and all of a sudden the piece falls in, and voila, the picture is complete. I now see it. He does that to me all the time. He still does that to me. At least two or three, four times a month, I'll call him up and say, I don't totally get what's happening. And he and I will go over it, and he'll say, have you considered this? And what do we do about that? Well, we come on and we talk to you about it on our radio show. So we want to continue that. Uh, I'm praying that Barry is going to be able to continue that, but if he's not, and uh, we've we he's not going to be on the air anymore, then, ladies and gentlemen, I pledge to you that I will continue to do this as long as I can. I promise it won't be quite as disjointed as today's is. I'm I'm suffering a little bit. Uh, uh, again, I was hoping to uh, have a show with him this week. We went through a period where he was really sick earlier. And uh, we didn't put out any shows for like, oh gosh, three weeks at a time. Then we'd do one, then we'd go three weeks without one. We, we've got, and again, I'd play some out of the archives. And we, we may ha end up having to do that a little bit, but uh, I pledge to you that we will continue to try to bring you insights into what's happening. That's, that's kind of my thing. And I've always liked to do things that are explanatory, so I will continue to do that. Well, we're out of time for this week. 
You know what we think. We want to know what you think. www.principledpolicy.com. That's principledpolicy.com. And you can, again, send an email to Barry and I. Our emails are on there. He's director at principledpolicy.com. I'm chairman at principledpolicy.com. So, again, www.principledpolicy.com. And join us again next week for another Principles and Policies.